0: Uh, So I'm going to read to us uh, Genesis 2 from verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Phishon. It it winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs through the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, "'It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him.' Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found.' That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So this is where we're going to begin this week, doing this whistle-stop tour through the big story of the Bible from creation through to Jesus. And it begins with this amazing account of God creating the heavens and the earth and then human beings. Um, Anna and I recently uh, were on holiday up in the Lake District, and uh, on our third day there, we climbed uh, a mountain called Helvellyn, which is one of the highest uh, mountains in the Lake District. It was a beautiful day, a bit less windy than today, blue sky, the sun was out, and you get to the top of this mountain, and the views are just breathtaking lakes and valleys and craggy mountainsides and it just takes your breath away and you think in moments like that isn't God amazing isn't God phenomenal that he would create this masterpiece and who could doubt him who could doubt the existence of a creator behind creation but when I'm feeling a bit more philosophical my next thought after wow isn't that amazing is why have you ever thought that have you ever looked at the world around you and thought why did God do it why did God create what was it all about why create this beauty why create me why create humanity what is the meaning of life now you might have climbed that mountain and just enjoyed the view I tend to just think more, uh, yeah, more existentially, maybe, but that's where my mind sometimes goes. So, right at the beginning of the Bible, God gives us this account of the creation of the heavens and the earth and answers the question, why? God forms the night and the day. In chapter one, we read that he makes fish to swim in the sea, birds to fly in the air, animals to roam the land. And on the sixth day, God reaches the the high point of his creation and makes humanity, man and woman, in his own image and likeness, and places them in the Garden of Eden. It's really interesting when you read chapter 1 that after every day of creation... God looks at what he has made and says, it is good. And then on day six, having made humanity, he says, it is very good. That was the icing on the cake. And it's really important for us because if anyone wants to suggest that, oh, you know, human beings, we're just sort of, we're just one of the animals. We're just We're just part of the created order. There's nothing special or distinct about us. Don't you believe it? Because the creation story says we were the pinnacle, the high point of God's creation. And God made us for a purpose. Have a look at verse 5. This is what it says. No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. So God's created this beautiful world and yet there is nobody to work the ground. There is nobody to take care of it and cultivate it. And God creates Adam to cultivate the earth, to work the earth, to steward the earth, to be master of the earth. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, I don't know what you think when you read that, but to me that is extraordinary. That God will create this vast universe, and so far, up until day six, it's all just existed. And God has sort of directly intervened in creation and kept everything ticking over. He's been the one that's been turning the cogs. And suddenly on day six, he says, now I... I want to give ownership, stewardship, responsibility for creation to humanity. Wow. In chapter 1, actually, God says that humanity are to rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is inviting Adam, firstly, into a partnership with him. God is not saying, Great, this creation looks brilliant. I'll hold that at arm's length. God is saying, I now want humanity to partner with me in the stewarding, in the running, in the governing of the universe. I mean, that is mind-blowing. Why? Why would a God who can create the universe hand the keys over to us? But he does. Why would God do that? Maybe God, um, maybe God needed humanity. You know, maybe God's skill set wasn't quite up to governing the universe. Maybe he needed a bit of a helping hand. I kind of doubt that that's the case. It wasn't that God needed humanity. It wasn't that God's skill set didn't stretch far enough. It was that God wanted to share his creation with us. He chose to give us that responsibility. To be co-creators, co-workers, co-rulers. Just let that sink in for a minute. God didn't have to use you or I. He wanted us to have a share in the running of the universe. Wow. God then gives Adam some parameters. He says, at the center of this beautiful garden are two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam can eat from one, but not from the other. So right at the beginning of this story, God is setting out some conditions. Blessings are on offer to Adam, but the condition is obedience. Obedience to God. Sticking close to God. Adam is not to go off and do his own thing. Adam is not to be independent. Adam is not to live a life free from God. Adam is to live in obedience with God, in relationship with God, to stick close to God. And in so doing, he will receive blessings. Well, we'll find out from next week uh, when Kent shares with us what happens. Spoiler alert. Sorry, Kent. But um, Adam eats the wrong fruit from the wrong tree and it doesn't go well. So we'll look at what happens next week. But for now, here is Adam in the garden and all is well. But something's missing. And the Lord says to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. How amazing is that? Why? God is a God of relationship, okay? Um, Particularly in the 930 service where we use a bit more formal liturgy, we always pray to God, the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is three persons. God is a relationship. So when God creates the universe, he does it from a place of relationship. And he creates Adam to be in relationship with him. And then he says to Adam, now it is right for you to be in relationship with one of your own. Relationship is right at the heart of the creation story, right at the heart. So God sends Adam into a sleep. While he's asleep, he uh, rips out one of his ribs, which apparently isn't painful. Um, At least there's no record of it being painful. And from this rib, God then fashions Eve. And uh, a lot of theologians have commented on the possible significance of that, that Eve is fashioned from a bone of Adam's body at his side, That actually um, man and woman are intended to stand side by side in partnership on an equal footing with one another to rule and to reign. Uh, And I find that really interesting if that's true. This sort of sense of a partnership, a side by side relationship, man and woman. And together they are invited to rule over creation and to enjoy it. In 1647, there was a group of uh, Scottish and English theologians that got together and they published this quite weighty document called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Get your tongue around that. And uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism was a, a question and answer document which basically set out the core beliefs of the Christian faith. And so it gave questions and then gave responses. And one of the questions was this, what is the chief end of man? Which is 17th century speak for, what is the purpose of humanity? And the answer that they gave was, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever I just love that I think that is amazing that right at the beginning before we talk about anything else which we will in the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter before we talk about sin and what went wrong with humanity and all of that stuff right at the beginning of the story God created us To worship him and enjoy him. Amazing. So what I'd love you to do um, in the groups that you're sat in on your rows or around your tables is um, for five minutes to have a little chat about this. If the purpose of humankind, if our purpose in life is to be in relationship with God, that's what it's really all about. Honest, does that feel like the main purpose in your life? Does being in a relationship with God feel like it is the main purpose of your life? Have a little chat with the people around you. Wonderful. I'm going to cut across your conversations. And uh, can I invite us to stand together? One of the things that uh, we were reflecting on was that the reality of life so often is that all manner of other things crowd in. And um, life becomes about the daily grind of doing whatever it is that we do. And we run the risk of compartmentalizing life and putting our relationship with God in a box and saying oh we do that then but actually the rest of the time we're just getting on with living and you know in the creation story it's not that Adam spent all time all of his days sitting around in a prayer meeting he was working and doing things and living and yet doing it all with a sense of God's presence and uh I wonder if that's something over these next few weeks we might continue to reflect on and pray on how we live our life in the ordinary and in the everyday with a sense of God's presence. So can I invite you to close your eyes if it's helpful for you to extend your hands out in front of you in a a posture of openness to receive from God. And we're going to be quiet for a few minutes and invite him to come and make himself known by his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray that in all that we do, we would do it for your glory. We would do it in relationship with you. We would do it conscious of your presence. Forgive us, Lord, when we put you in a box. And bring us back to that first invitation that you gave us to enjoy your world, to enjoy being in relationship with you, to serve you, to honor you, to follow you. Bring us back to that purpose, to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Show us what that might mean. Amen. We're going to sing a song together uh, through which we affirm our faith uh, and declare the truths of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.